Today's episode of the Theater People podcast is brought to you by the brand new Nonsense, the TV series, which has just premiered and you can watch now at nonsensetv.com and by Stage Door Manor. You can find information on their summer theater programs at stagedoormanor.com. On the northeast tip of North America, on an island called Newfoundland, there's an airport. It used to be one of the biggest airports in the world. And next to it is a town called Gander. Welcome to the rack if you come from away. You probably understand about it. Welcome to the Theater People Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Hines. You guys, I am so, so, so excited to bring you today's episode with the fabulous Jen Colella. Seriously, I've been dying to do this interview for years now. Jen made her Broadway debut in 2003 in Urban Cowboy. She went on to co-star in High Fidelity and Chaplin. And this season, she's a member of the company of the amazing ensemble musical Come From Away, in which Jen is giving one of the most breathtaking performances I have ever seen. We did this interview on a recent Saturday afternoon between shows in Jen's dressing room at the Gerald Schoenfeld Theater. And meeting her was just as delightful as I thought it would be. Here's our conversation. I'm running my radar when Bonnie comes by. Hi, Jen Colella. Hi, my sweet friend. I'm going to stop telling you how excited I am to meet you in like a year. Please don't stop. <laughs> how are you? Thank you for having us to your gorgeous dressing room. Oh, it's my pleasure. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. It's so gorge. Um, before we talk Come From Away, I was wondering if we could talk about Broadway Acts for Women. Of course we can. How did you... It's my favorite event. I've been going every single year. Martha's like a dear friend going back forever. And watching her organization build this event, this like super important event every year, I'm like over the moon that you're going to be there. How did you get involved? Well, Martha Plimpton and I have uh, known each other peripherally as well through friends. Um, I think Amanda Green probably introduced Ah. us at a dinner party once. And I just think the world of her. And um, obviously as an... As an actor, she's extraordinary. But as a person and an activist, I really admire her work. And um, so she reached out to me. uh, And Dan Lipton, who's the musical director, is also a dear friend and an artist whom I deeply respect and admire. So I was like, I'd follow the two of you to the ends of the earth. (laughs) Absolutely. And what an incredible incredible event to be a part of. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm a little nervous. Well, it's crazy because you don't know what you're going to sing. I have no idea what I'm going to sing. And you get auctioned off with like a I know, I know. So I don't know. It's this, you know, I'm nervous, but I trust that that it's going to all be totally fine. Yeah, it's like a room full of like the world's biggest theater nerds and everyone is so supportive and happy. And I I know everyone is so excited. People are probably just going to want you to sing your song from Come From Away. (laughs) Well, these are my people then because I'm a theater nerd as well. So then I'll be in good company. I can't wait to see you. Okay, now we have to talk Come From Away. Okay, excellent. But, um... Will you just tell me, tell the people what you told me about your dressing room? Oh, this is the first time that I have ever had designers come in and actually design my dressing room um, because I, I had a feeling that we would stay put for a little while in the Schoenfeld and I just threw caution to the wind and and it looks like uh, we'll, we'll be here for a minute. It is it is gorgeous. This dressing room is so be- We're sitting on like a chaise. There's art on the walls. How did you get involved with the production? I auditioned for the La Jolla production, the world premiere, a little over two years ago. Um, Bernie Telsey's office called me in, and I, I didn't think I was right for it because they wanted me to learn the pilot song, but I um, 
you know, there's that line about somehow I'm 51. Right. And I was like, well, I'm not anywhere near that, darling. 21! <laughs> Anytime I do a sound check or anything, I go, somehow I'm 31. <laughs> um, but I don't know, really. And so sometimes, you know, actors are called upon to audition for things that we don't think we're right for. But I just wanted to remind Chris Ashley and Bernie Telsey and all those people who I am and how I work. And so then when I got called back, I was like, oh. Um, so... I got called back and I still wasn't certain. I thought maybe they wanted to see me against whomever it is they were really looking at. And I was like, oh, how lovely of them. I'll, I'll be happy to help out. And then it wasn't until that, that call back that I thought, oh, I could feel the energy in the room. Maybe they, they really are looking uh, for me. And then I just fell in love with the piece and with Chris Ashley and Kelly Devine and Ian Eisendrath, our musical director, and saw that what we were creating was something really special. What kind of shape was the show in when you joined? How long had they been working on it? They'd been working on it I, I, a few years, um, but had only had, like, they'd had a, a cool production done kind of uh, at, at Sheridan College, uh, and then they had NAMPT, you know, which is like a little, like, workshoppy, um, ah. you know, production there. Um, it's the National Alliance for Musical Theater, right? So, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, um but they hadn't had a full-on production, so this was the first full-on production. So there were a lot of there's a lot of tweaking during previews. It, we had a whole new opening number one night that they gave us that day, wow. like completely different. And then Chris Ashley and David Hine and Irene Sankoff, the writers, being the collaborative artists they are, asked all of us into the green room after we had learned this new opening number and we're like what do you guys think do you like this better than the other one or what are some pros and cons to this to really ask the actors their input wow i know that that very rarely happens in that way and so we have felt like a very important part of the collaborative process from the beginning i'm curious about the rehearsal process because you know you've been a part of these like really big broadway musicals um but this one's different you know it's very collaborative you all play a bunch of roles you all play a bunch of real people on a day that's a real day that people know about how just in terms of like well I guess first of all when you sort of knew that you were going to be doing a musical that sort of takes place on September 11th and sort of doesn't necessarily deal with the tragedy of I don't know I don't want to explain to you how like what this show is about but when it just the fact that it circles 9-11 what was your initial thoughts about that I I had some concerns about it um Prior to reading the script, when I just heard, you know, people very quickly uh, put it into the category of 9-11 musical. And I was like, I don't I have no idea. But then when I read the script, I thought, oh, this is thoughtfully done. This is masterfully done. And as we started working on it, I realized that we're telling a completely different story. It is set, the backdrop is this horrific event, but the actual story we're telling is one of kindness and compassion. And the fact that it's true and that these people exist um, made me trust it completely. Mm-hmm. And then feeling the reaction from the audience. they People are hungry to be reminded that we're all inherently good, that that's the truth. And to, to get back into the practice of kindness, I think we need that right now. And so bringing it to New York, I felt a little concerned because um, I thought maybe the reception would be cooler um, just because New Yorkers were hit the closest by 9-11 and also we we gained a lot of buzz right and yeah. so if you come into New York yeah. sometimes people will fold their arms and be like well show me your buzzy buzzy yeah. show you know but it wasn't that at all New York has been the most raucous loving uh, 
incredible audiences that we've had. And so, again, it's just me learning to put my preconceived notions aside and trusting the audience and trusting this piece. And um, it's been, like, the most incredible ride I've ever been on. In terms of, like, learning the show and, and, and performing the show, you know, you play multiple characters and you're, you're working with other actors that are also playing multiple characters. It's very much an ensemble piece. How is that different for you from the other stuff that you've done? Oh, it's completely different. It's awesome. There's not, I, I don't feel the weight on my shoulders of like, you know, if I'm in a leadership position and we are all leaders in in our own right, but um, I don't feel the weight of like, oh, I got to carry, I've got nine songs and I've got to carry the show and I've got to make sure, you know, it's not that. I trust those other 11 members so implicitly and um, it's cool, you know, switching in and out of characters with one another on stage. I, I'll look at somebody that I've just looked at two seconds before and their eyes are ch- have changed. Like they, we look at each other through different eyes with each character and it's exciting. It's still thrilling. I've been doing it for two years now and it's still thrilling to watch how good everyone else is on stage with me. It's interesting for the two characters that I can remember thinking of you as in the show. Do you do more than two? Those are my two main characters. So yeah. Captain Beverly Bass, uh, who was the first female captain. Oh, I was just listening to the song again on the way down here, like sobbing on the subway. Some guy was like, are you okay? I'm like, it's Kalela. Just leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's Kalela. He's like, it's a what? Because um, uh, we, you know, theater nerds, we think that's the whole world, right? He said Kalela to some people, and they're like, I get you, girl. I get it. You, you have your cry. I get it. You're so sweet to me. Um, and then the other character I play is Annette, who is a, um, a teacher, a librarian at an elementary school. And she is uh, very excited by all of the men that are coming off these planes. And so it's just fun. The juxtaposition between those two women is super fun. And then, yes, so I play other tiny little characters throughout. I'm a plane person or I'm on a bus or I'm in a town hall meeting. So very quickly shift into those people as well. Um, but those are my two main characters. I wanted to talk about Beverly and, and also about the sort of documentary style of the piece itself. And in terms of like, how involved were you in terms, like, did you, well, when did you first meet Beverly? It's interesting. She and I met um, after our last preview in La Jolla. She hadn't seen it. She was there for opening night the, oh. the next night. And so we went to this restaurant called James. It's just across the street from, from the La Jolla Playhouse. And she was in there. And I spotted her from across the room just as she saw me. And we made our way to each other. And she said, I think you're playing me. And I said, I think you're right. <laughs> and we just embraced. It was so sweet. We, we had this uh, immediate kinship with one another. And we look a little bit alike and uh, like we could be related. And we just started hanging out. You know, it was really cool. She started to tell me things about her story and was like, this is my husband, Tom. And, you know, telling me about having the passengers on the plane for over 28 hours. And I was like, you don't say. I mean, we have a song called 28 Hours. She'll find that out tomorrow. I was like, you're going to like it. And then she's mentioning to me, you know, things from her from the solo that's actually almost verbatim from the transcript of her interviews. I mean, you know I have a zillion questions about that. I want to have I'll answer any of them I can. <laughs> I mean, learning that that song, Me in the Sky, is... First of all, the first time I heard that song was like a Broadway World preview or something. I saw it on the internet. I grabbed my husband. My daughter, my three-year-old daughter, was like just sat, like stared at you. Oh. Yeah, me and Steve are like crying. I... Has that song evolved or did you come into the show and the the song was what it is now? There's only been tiny, tiny minor changes to that song. That song pretty much has has remained what it is. Uh, 
the only difference is that I, you know, it still terrifies me every yeah. time I sing it. It's it's coming off of this great group number screech, and uh, it's so fun and so much energy. And then all of a sudden, it's just like me, pin yeah. spot, sitting chill at a table. And so I, I get nervous. I want to, yeah. I want to honor her, and I want to honor my company. And it's the first time, you know, it's the it's the only kind of real big solo in the show. And so I, I feel nervous until my backup my backup girls come in, and then I'm like, <laughs> all right, I'm good, I'm good. I think about the amount of information we get about Beverly in that song which is uh, and the amount of information we get about our country and the history of like women in aviation and and it is astonishing to me that you can write a song that's three and a half minutes long that you get that much information from how did just learning that song inform your experience doing this role what a great question. You know, again, as I read over the transcripts from her interview, it's it's almost verbatim. And I mean, obviously, David and Irene, the writers, uh, put in their own theatrical flair. But so many of the things that she actually said is is how the song is written. And I love that it's written the way someone speaks. Um, from a technical standpoint, it's, it's difficult because there's not a lot of time to breathe. Mm-hmm. And I'm just chilling at the table when I first hit my high notes, like mm-hmm. no biggie. But it's, it's a little technically challenging. But then, yes, just as you said, what I learned um, from her growing up and seeing planes and something catching fire for her. Like when your three-year-old daughter sees something and yeah. you see her catch fire. My parents must have thought they had a crazy kid Cause I was one of those kids Who always knew what I wanted They took me down to the airport To see all the planes depart And watching them fly Something inside of me was starting I was eight when I told them That I'd be a pilot Her father being like, all right, just be patient. We'll see, sweetheart. Like, tap, tap. And my dad said, be patient. He said, just see what happens. Not in a mean way, but just like, that's pretty lofty for a little lady. And told my father I'd fly for the rest of my life. And I got my first job flying for a mortician in a tiny bonanza. Just a corpse and me, $5 an hour for flying dead bodies. I had to climb over their faces just to get to my seat. constantly got told um, no by men and then was actually condescended to by, you know, these World War II pilots who literally were like, women do not belong in the cockpit and calling her baby and, and pinching her ass and all that kind of stuff. They said girls shouldn't be in the cockpit. Hey, lady, hey, baby, hey, why don't you grab us a drink? And the flight attendants weren't my friends back then. And they said, are you better than us? Do you she was a pioneer for women and had to continue to fight for her dream of flying these planes because that's what she caught fire for as a little girl. There's something so beautiful about that. 1986, the first female American captain in history. 
there's this cool line about how the the flight attendants weren't her friends back then and thought, you know, what are you, you're like, you're too good for us and you can't just be a flight attendant and would give her a lot of shade. And then she was the first uh, female captain to have an all-female crew and it like exploded. You know, she brought 90 female pilots to our opening in Toronto. Oh my God! There were 90 of them taking up the first three rows and just crying and clapping and proud and high-fiving. And I'll never forget that experience as long as I live. Suddenly I'm wondering how my parents would feel Seeing me teaching men to be pilots Cause suddenly I am a senior instructor And somehow I'm 51 And now, a few words from our sponsors. Hold on to your rosaries, because the Little Sisters of Hoboken are starring in a brand new Nonsense TV series, and you can watch it now at NonsenseTV.com. If you've been a Nonsense fan, you're going to love this. And if you're not familiar with these nuns, you are in for a real comic treat. When funding for Mount St. Helens School's Music and Arts program gets cut, Reverend Mother Mary Regina and the Little Sisters of Hoboken take matters into their own hands. Nonsense, the TV series, follows the zany antics of the world's most famous nuns as they enter Hoboken Has Talent, a local variety competition with their sights set on winning the $100,000 grand prize. Having previously staged a fundraising show to help bury 52 nuns accidentally poisoned by Sister Julia, child of God, the Little Sisters of Hoboken officially consider themselves expert entertainers. Featuring stars of stage and screen, including the office star, Phyllis Smith, music legend, Darlene Love, Tony Award winners Beth Level and Karen Ziemba, plus Christopher Sieber, Mary Stout, and many, many more familiar faces. It would be a sin to miss it. Do you wake up humming Hamilton and singing Sondheim? Do you dream of a place where there are Shakespeare flash mobs, Happy Birthday is sung in harmony, and surprise Broadway guests fill your world? At Stage Door Manor, kids from every state and six continents spend their summer totally immersed in the magic of theater. I'm sure almost all of you know that Stage Door Manor is the inspiration for Todd Graff's movie Camp and Mickey Rapkin's book Theater Geek. But did you know that you've seen plenty of their alums on stage, screen, and behind the scenes? Natalie Portman, Mandy Moore, Zach Braff, Robert Downey Jr., Sean Levy, and Janine Tesori all spent their summers in the Catskill Mountains of New York. 
Stage Door Manor produces an unbelievable 42 full-scale shows in eight on-campus theaters, and there are more than 100 classes at beginning and advanced levels. Everything from playwriting to stage combat. If it's theater-related, they do it. Stage Door premieres include original stage versions of Rent, Avenue Q, Andrew Lippa's Wild Party, Woman in White, and High School Musical. Stage Door welcomes kids ages 10 to 18, and there are no auditions for admission. They accept all levels of experience and talent and find roles for students in shows where everyone can have his or her moment in the spotlight. Worth Magazine named Stage Door among the top 10 summer programs in the world, and it's been called the Hollywood High of Summer Camps by Playbill. No wonder sessions fill up quickly. Spots are almost gone for the summer, so hurry and go online to stagedoormanor.com for more info. What is your process as an actor learning a song like this? Because, I I mean, I guess that's a similar question to the one I just asked you, but, like, what do you do? Like, what do you do? That is such a responsibility. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, you're sitting in a chair the whole time. I am. I get up towards the end um, because I gotta. Um, But, yes, for for the majority of it, I'm I'm seated. you know, it's I'm still I'm actually still learning how to sing mm-hmm. that song. It it still makes me nervous every night. I have to say to myself before I sit down, fly the plane, you know, tell the story, be a captain right now, and just tell the story. And so I try to take it each section at a time. I have to look at it from a from an acting standpoint, right? And speak to the audience as if they are hearing this for the first time and wanting to share my my desire and love of flight and then how how that all came crashing down on 9-11 and what I'm dealing with now, trying to get this plane back in the air to take care of my passengers and my crew and to get back to my husband and kids in, in Dallas. After she saw it on opening night, what when you got to see her, what how, what was that moment like? Well, I saw her during the show because oh, we, we wow. you know, so much of the show is direct address. Yeah. So I'm watching her um, cry with her hands in her face and holding Tom's hand and laughing and clapping. And she and she still watches the show like that. She's seen it over 60 times. If there was if Jen Colella was playing me in a musical singing a song like that, I'd see it 60 <laughs> times. too. Thing. I don't know how you continue to find new ways to compliment me. Oh, I'm just getting started, girl. I'm just getting started. You are amazing. I want you with me all the time. Done. Well, you heard it here first, yeah. folks. I've moved into Jen Colella's yeah. dressing room. We're BFFs. That's right. Um, yeah, you know, it's it feels like a huge responsibility, and I can feel her, and I can see her. And so after the first time she saw it on opening night, we just embraced, and she wept, and I held her. And, uh, you know, we kind of haven't let go since. She just texted me, you know, <laughs> a couple days ago. We're, wow. we're really, really good friends. I miss her. She's around less now that we've opened. Things have kind of settled down in that yeah. regard. But I'm, I miss having her around. Where does she live? She lives in Texas. And, and does she come, or is she... Or like, like I, I would just be here all the time. I've made the joke a couple of times that she wouldn't miss the opening of an envelope. <laughs> she came to every single opening, every preview. Like she really over sixty times. She's wow. seen it. She's coming back, I believe, in about a week and a half. Uh, we have some interviews together, and she she wants to see it again. And and it, it the entire energy of the building changes when she's here. She's such a champion for us and and for the show. And um, you know, she's my hero. She's yeah. she's my girl. What? Okay, just a couple more questions about Come From Away. What? How, so you're a highly trained actress. What does doing a show where you are engaging with the audience? How, have you done shows like that before? And how is that different in terms of like the presentation of this show? There is no fourth wall. And how is that different for you? And a, more of a challenge or less of a challenge as an actor? It feels like more of a challenge for certain. Um, 
because with the fourth wall, I can just engage with my, I can create this space on stage and the audience can feel like a voyeur and they can come into what I'm creating however they want to. But this is, I'm just, I need them. I need the audience more. Um, and so we are very hypersensitive, the actors and I, uh, to all of their reactions if they're laughing or sighing or or if it's a kind of a quiet audience even if they're totally with us if they're quiet we're like oh we question you know more so (laughs) than usual right um and talking right to the audience if there's a if there's an audience member who's crying and very often they are um you know i i'm not a robot like i something inside (laughs) me breaks open and i want to just reach out to that person and put my hand on their shoulder and so I try to do it with my lines and with the story that I'm telling. It's very difficult not to get wrapped up in everyone else's story that's going on in their hearts. Um, so there's this empathy that's happening but I have to be careful and use my training as an actor to say, nope, I'm telling this story. This is who I am. I can only do so much for this person right now. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah. difficult. I, I'm in love with the whole world, yeah. man. <laughs> but you're on your own audience. Yes, yeah, but you gotta work it out. I'm going to be right here for you, but I, yeah, I can't, I wish I could come crawl into your lap, ma'am, and give you a hug. Uh, I really do, Uh, but I got to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So you guys just had, like, your big opening, I mean, Come From Away has made such a big splash in this, like, really crowded season of new musicals. So now you guys are, like, gearing up for awards season? Are you thinking about it? Like, is it something that's on your mind, or do you just have to put that away? You know, I, I, you can't help but think about it a little bit, because people are, are, are talking about it, and it's super fun. But I, I want to I want to make sure it, it stays fun. You know what I mean. And I know that it's good for the show and good for our producers, obviously. Um, and I get excited about. It. I, again, I am. I'm a theater nerd too. So like the Tonties, you know. Like I'm like, you know, the Tonties. Um, and I, and this is the first time I've I've really been in a show that anybody's excited about in that way. Um, and so that does feel fun. But I I can't let it get too much into my head you yeah, know what I mean yeah. it is still awards and uh in the long run it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. um it really doesn't because I have this show that I believe in and people are coming to see it and uh if we get nominated that would be super super cool man I would just love it for all, all the work that we've done and the fact that it stands for kindness I think yeah. would really it would be a, a, a badge for the kindness movement itself. You know what I mean? Yeah, that like yeah. we believe in, in what this show has to offer. Uh, so that would be lovely. I, I really hope that, that that happens, but I can't get too caught up in it. Yeah. Um, can we talk about some other stuff? Yes. Can we talk about If Then? Yes. And love wherever and whenever and however we feel. Let anger clean the cut out. Let love help us heal. It's not the love we dream. didn't realize that you understudied Elizabeth in 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 addition to playing your other leading role at that point in your career you'd had several leading roles on Broadway what what made you want to take that on you know i it was such a I understand why you're asking that. I, I was asking myself the same question. No, Tom Kitt and Brian Yorkie are dear friends of mine. Tom Kitt and I go way back to Urban Cowboy. Which we have to talk about. Of course. Um, and so when he asked me, you know, I originally, they wrote the role 
uh, Lashonza's role for me, Anne. In oh. the in the first script, her name was Jen. Like that character was written based on me. Wow. And so a lot of the workshops and and concerts we did, that was my role. And we were about to move into. I knew another workshop was coming up and Michael Greif and David Stone reached out to me and said, hey, listen, we can't have a New York story with three white leads, meaning me, Adina and Anthony. And I thought, oh, no, what's going to happen to Anthony? (laughs) (laughs) Because that was my role. Um, And then they said, you know, we're we're actually looking at LaShawn's. And I was like. For Anthony Raps? How interesting. I love it. Um, And then it dawned on me. I was like, oh, right. Nothing's certain in this. Like, nothing is certain in this. And I thought, I'm out of the show. And I was devastated. But immediately was like, I totally understand. LaShawn's is extraordinary. I wish you the best. And then they came back around and said, we are writing uh, another role for you, which is LaShawn's girlfriend. She wasn't. That wasn't part of the thing. So they wrote Anne for me. They wrote that role and said, "Can we, if we write this role for you, will you also be a cover for Adina? And I was like, I just want to be in the game, coach. So yes, oh I want to play in that God. sandbox with you people. However you need me, I will be there. And so I did that and didn't think I would ever go on. Jackie Burns was her yeah. um, standby. And so that's her standby means that's her only job, right? That she is off stage, just ready for if Adina should go out. Which I hear almost never happens. Never. No, Adina's a workhorse, yeah. man. She does not call out. Yeah. Really, truly. Um, but uh, I guess this particular week, Jackie was on vacation. And Adina had done a ton of, like, she, I think she had just been on, like, Late Night with Seth Meyers. Had done a ton of, like, things and was just wiped out. And so I got the call, like, noon for a matinee on Wednesday. Oh, my God. And had never, obviously, done it with the orchestra. I'd never had any costume changes. I'm on stage with her all the time, so I don't see... There are many times she's doing something I've never seen it because I'm in a whole other scene. So you've never like just watched the show just in case you had to go on? Definitely not. No. I am losing my mind. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Yes. So what did you – what were you thinking? I was just like, you know, I, I – I'd done my homework. I had learned the lines. I had learned the songs. And I was like, let me just do my best here. That's all I can do is my best. I would like exit the wrong – wing or you know the wrong part of the wing and I was like oof this is a quick change there should be more people here and I turned the corner and there's like bite lights and socks and I was like yep 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 just remember what the glasses are supposed to be on and off that's all you have to do and they were never I'd never tried on a lot of these costumes so literally would put they'd throw things on me and I'd be like oh it's like a blazer situation and I'm talking to you excellent it was it was awesome and the you know the crowd was so sweet and the cast was so sweet it was an extraordinary afternoon I remember coming off stage and my eyes were wide and I started to go to my dressing room and LaShawn was like no you know you're in that dressing room I was like oh yes and she goes was that so much fun can you you want to do it again and I was like no my respect for Adina Menzel was already pretty high, but it it raised several notches that day. Did you only do it that one time? Just that one time. Oh, that is a great story. Isn't that, that awesome? I mean, that's, that's... at least you have that fantastic story. And you're such a pro that you were able to be like, well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, man, that's my job. That was my job. So I was I was prepared, as prepared as I could have been, um, and it, it went really well. My, I had friends, you know, that left their jobs, like Christian Borles, my best friend. He came oh. running to be there. My agents left the office. People at, like, Broadway.com, like, oh. shut it down and came. Like, everybody <laughs> was amazing. so sweet to me. It was 
was it was one of them. you okay no bullshit you have to be one of the most like loved people in this world since we've been doing theater people like once a week people are like where's Kalela where's Kalela where's Kalela? like it's like you have to be one of the most loved people in this community do you think that I it feels that feels awesome to hear I'm like literally have tears in my eyes right now because you're being so effusive with your compliments I that feels awesome I I hope that that's the case. I have often said that I feel more proud of my dedication to like kindness uh, and compassion than I do any kind of talent that I may possess, and so that feels nice to hear. Yeah. And what a cool reunion for you and Tom Kitt. Oh, it was extraordinary. I would follow him to the ends of the earth. Honestly, yeah. I I just think the world of him and his music and the way that he writes and he and I have been working together for many many years and I, I he's one of my favorite people on the planet. I got to interview him a while ago for something else and we were he was talking about we were talking about next to normal and like what a big hit that was, but it was a rocky road for that show, you know, like there was no guarantee it was ever going to come to Broadway and whatever. And he was saying that he just like he's like all I knew was I couldn't go through another high fidelity. Can we talk about like what I mean the creative team involved in high fidelity is just unbelievable and the actors you and Will Chase like I mean just these incredible what why why do you and like the music is amazing why do you think it didn't work? I have no idea. We never know. It's such a crapshoot, right? That's part of the whole the whole thing. We we never know. I I was super proud of that show definitely proud of the music and and will and i had great chemistry and everybody was incredible jay kleitz and like they were amazing um so i have no idea i was really really surprised as were the producers as was everyone else but that's part of the the like roulette wheel of like coming into the b-way right you never know uh what's gonna happen and so that's why you I, I feel I have to appreciate like every second like every time I go in to to get fitted for a costume I'm like this could be it you know what I mean like I, I don't everything I, every everything that I do I try to really savor because it could all be over in an instant I'm too tired not to be with you I'm too fried and cold inside and I need to feel a little less blue But I'm too wired to stop and think this through well, I just want to disappear And wake up sometime next year Oh, this is wrong, I know Was it so long ago that I looked at I don't know what else to do Cause I'm too tired I'm so tired I'm too tired I'm so tired I'm too tired Not to be With you What did it not work look like? Like, was it like the people were the houses? Were you playing to empty houses? No, not at all. Our houses were actually digging it. Um, I, I really, I'm not just making that up. Like, our houses were into it. The set, Annie Luiso's set, like she was nominated. I haven't seen it, but I saw today that she was nominated. It was un, it unfolded in this 
beautiful way it started in his apartment and then it turned into the record store it like unfolded in this wow it was we got applause (laughs) um no the audiences were great the audiences were phenomenal it was just we got a bad review you know what i mean a couple and just and reviews but if you get a bad review like especially depending upon when it was and what other shows are up at the time sometimes shows can just get crushed i would like to see it come back i really would just last couple questions. I'm always fascinated by people who get to make their Broadway debut in like a big lead role. And so for Urban Cowboy, you got to do that. And how like how did that all happen for you? It's kind of a crazy story. I um I went to grad school at the University of California at Irvine with Beth Malone. Hi Beth Malone. Hi Beth Malone. <laughs> um and we had a showcase um with NYU and Yale on both coasts. And so when I was in New York, I got called in while I was here uh, for the showcase by Jay Bender's office for Urban Cowboy the Musical. And I didn't have any country music. They wanted a country song. And I all I had was um, that song from Malpian and Shires, uh, Closer Than Ever, The Man Says. Yes. So I was all, The Man Says Things He Needs to Say. And you're from Texas. I, I'm from South Carolina. So oh, you're yeah. from South... Why did I think you were because from Texas? Beverly's from Texas. Eggs, that's why. That's exactly why. Um, but Southern. And mm-hmm. so I came in and sang it like that. And they were like, cool, can't we we're, we're gonna call you back can you sing that higher and i was like totally the man says things he absolutely <gasps> so <laughs> i got excited i started to think wow just out of grad school and a broadway audition and then i didn't get it they went with the woman with whom they'd done all the workshops yeah. which was totally fine still felt proud in my heart went to la um had showcased there got agents managers got an apartment and I started to do stand-up. stand-up comedy that's exactly right I'm obsessed with that so I was a regular at the Laugh Factory and the comedy store there and was kind of moving in the direction of like sitcom world that's where I thought and I get a call months and months later from my agent and she says hey do you remember that Urban Cowboy audition and I said yeah I didn't get that thanks for bringing that up and she <laughs> said no uh, the director they, they've been in rehearsal for two weeks the director they had on board Philip Osterman has suddenly passed away and there's a new director on board Lonnie Price Lonnie Price Oh, who is just like a mensch if there ever was a mensch. And so uh, he has this new vision for the leading lady and they want to fly you to New York tomorrow. And if you get it, you start rehearsals the next day. (gasps) I know. And I was like, how do you pack for that trip? (laughs) (laughs) So I just threw like everything I owned into a bag. They fly me first class to New York City. They faxed me the sides. That's how long ago that was. So I'm paged you. Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) I'm learning these new songs and sides on this plane and I get to this audition and I do my thing and Lonnie Price says, Okay, can you step out of the room? We want to talk about you for a moment. And as I stepped out of the room, I can remember thinking my whole life could change in this moment and no sooner had that thought entered my heart that they opened the door back up and said, Okay, come back in and Lonnie Price said, Welcome to Broadway. We want you to be our lady oh my god i'm gonna totally sob and i did i did i just started crying like weeping and and jay bender was like i found her i found her <laughs> and then the stage manager was like are you equity and i said no and he said you will be tomorrow morning oh like, my it god. was just all of a sudden i was the lead of a broadway show oh. it was crazy that is that's isn't that nuts yeah. isn't that nuts i know i know oh. I love you. I could talk to you all day long, but I have to let you have a life. You're the sweetest, man. Well, now we're BFFs. We're BFFs. Can we do this again? Absolutely. It would be my pleasure. I'm dying. I, well, then I'm just going to sit right here until we do. Cool, cool, cool. Thanks, Jen Colella. The pleasure was entirely mine. Thank you. Bye. Bye, baby. One, two. One, two, three, four. Welcome to the friends who have come from away. 
Welcome to the locals who have always said they'd stay. If you're coming from Toledo or you're coming from Taipei, because we come from everywhere, we, we all come from Theater People is a product of Theater Podcast Productions and is produced by Mike Jensen and me, Patrick Hines. I edited this episode. Special thanks to Steve Tipton, Eric Emsch, Keith Allen Herzog, Ellen Marie Marsh, and the staff at Oswald's. Also thanks to our Patreon associate producers, Robbie Roselle, Ty Williams, and Cynthia Wallach. And to our sponsors, Nonsense, the TV series. You can watch the first episode now at nonsensetv.com and Stage Door Manor. You can find information about their summer acting programs at stagedoormanor.com. We'll be back on Monday with Miss Saigon star Eva Esplanada. Until then, tell your friends about us. Let's get the theater community talking. Welcome to the 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 welcome to